0: Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee will improve the quality of your morning since it's rich in both CBD and CBG and can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks. However much and however often you need it, their CBD infused coffee has me feeling fantastic as it can help with chronic headaches, joint pain, so much more than that. And plus, I don't get any coffee jitters have three or four cups a day. Now you can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today is a special guest. His name is Nick Bellopatrick. You may already be following him on Twitter, doing an amazing job out there in his own right. He reached out to me and wanted to talk about Todd Helton And made such a compelling argument that I had to have him on the show to do that here as we are still somewhat in the midst. But getting towards the end of Hall of Fame week as we wait for Tuesday evening's announcement. We will be going live once that announcement has been made. Will David Ortiz be the only new inductee from the BBWAA ballot from the Baseball Writers Association of America? You need to get 75% to get in. Right now, he seems to be trending that way. Clemens and Bonds, they're also both above 75% for the public ballots that we do know. But will that be enough for them to hold on once all of the votes go in? Of course, we'll get you updated on where Todd Helton is at. He, of course, does appear to be making strides forward and increasing just above that 50% mark, which is incredibly important as a future indicator of his Hall of Fame candidacy. So we'll be coming to you live probably around 4 30 on Tuesday. We have a great Hall of Fame human being in Julian Valentin. He'll be on Tuesday's show. You know him as the brand manager of the Rockies for about a decade. He was the mastermind in many ways behind at Rockies. If you follow them on Twitter, you know they're one of the best team accounts in all of professional sports. Well, Julian has been the man for that. We'll get caught up with him, see how he's doing. So I'm super excited for how well things in Hall of Fame week has turned out. We do need to wrap things up as far as the Rockies' Team Hall of Fame. We know it's long overdue, and we have to dip into the outfielders. We've got one more left where we'll go through some of the relief pitchers and catchers. Obviously, not too deep of a pair of positions, but There definitely needs to be representation for the Rockies if we are talking about a Team Hall of Fame. But first, real quick, let's go ahead and touch base on where we are at for the lockout. The players and the owners are set to meet on Monday in New York, not via Zoom. They're going to sit in a room together in New York City. Very positive that the players have gotten back to the owners their counter proposal. We'll see where that goes. Really, it will all depend on how the owners receive this information. So we still might be a month away for this deal to get done, but we'll have a much better idea about where that middle mark is for both the players and the owners. MLB's recent proposal did include some significant pay increase for players with two plus years of service time, with better players earning more money based on their performances. We know that they did want to use Fangraph's war as some kind of indicator of that. That doesn't seem like a terribly great idea for all players. We know that Fangraph's, in particular, baseball reference does a much better job when it comes to valuating Rockies players. And Fangraph's, you are going to see some skewed numbers. Not all players are treated equally from one war to another war. And Rockies players can have a lot of fluctuation from one of those metrics to the other. I think baseball reference probably does a better job overall. So if they use fan war, that could be not so great for any of the young players that are in Colorado. Some of the other items that were addressed in regards to incentivizing competition and really preventing tanking. There was discussion about changes in the draft order as far as tanking is concerned. Probably some type of lottery, which I think could drum up a lot of additional attention for Major League Baseball, particularly in the offseason. That's got to be really positive. There's a lot of discussion about expansion of the postseason. Currently, there are 10 teams. I think the players are probably going to say we can do 12, but the owners want 14 teams in to create an extra round, more playoff games, stretching out the postseason and making more money from the cable networks and their postseason contests. And then finally, of course, the addition of the Universal DH, which is something that I've long thought we're not going to see. And yet, I do see a lot more sources going out and saying this probably is going to happen. So I'm actually quite glad if I'm wrong about this. I, I do know that the owners are making this, the Universal DH, an issue of, hey, players, you are benefiting from this a lot more Than the owners and i think that's true i think the game benefits but a good game and a good product benefits both players and owners somewhat equally but if you're talking about adding a guy that doesn't need to play the field that benefits the additional 15 teams in the national league and that opens up the door to a lot more free agents to make even more money because now there's going to be 30 teams going after the player rather than 15. so this is something that can be used to to manipulate the, the situation here a little bit. But as long as the DH does come to the National League, I will be, I'll be very happy. I'll be glad to have proven, been proven wrong. Well, let's get to this Rockies Hall of Fame. Let's talk about the outfield. It is probably the deepest spot that the Rockies have in their franchise history. I really tried to stack the deck in a sense where you said, okay, in the infield, if you're talking about the all-time greats, You've got Helton, Arenado, Tulo, Andre Scalaraga, fifth, probably you have Vinny Castilla. You know I love Garrett Atkins there, but Vinny Castilla, of course, would be fifth on that death chart. And when you look in the outfielders, you do have Larry Walker, Carlos Gonzalez, Matt Holiday, Charlie Blackman, and Dante Bichette. That's a that's an incredibly, incredibly solid group. Obviously, if we we're talking about the first group of guys that you'd want to get in. I mean, it's really, really two outfielders that you'd put at the top of your list. Number one, of course, being Larry Walker, the Rockies' only Hall of Fame representation in Cooperstown. He won the MVP in 1997, six different years with MVP votes. There was a survey that we put out on dnvr underscore rockies on twitter make sure you're following that if you aren't already and a majority of fans out there said the first class for the rockies hall of fame should just be larry walker and todd helton and i think if the rockies were to put together a a little museum of their own a little rockies hall of fame and they put todd helton alongside larry walker which they already have when you're talking about retired numbers. But if they were to do that in the an in initial class of the Rockies Hall of Fame, I think that would speak volumes for those BBWAA voters who might be on the fence or might just need a little bit more convincing that Todd Hilton is a Hall of Famer. The other outfielder I think that you could probably put up there as far as fan favorites and contributions to the organization certainly came up short as far as as far as being a Hall of Fame player but again hall of fame human being all around beloved guy carlos gonzalez gotta be number two on my depth chart Was third in mvp in 2010 started that all-star game as the designated hitter the little pony cargo so exciting he needs to be around this team a lot more we've been talking about it over the past week with sam bradfield with noah yingling go back and listen to those episodes and bringing back players that are in the Rockies hall of fame each and every year for a weekend to bring all of these guys back for our, for everyone in Coors field to give cargo a standing ovation each and every year for the next 25, 30, 40 years that he's alive, whatever it may be. Yes, we want that. We need that. Matt holiday, of course, second MVP voting in 2007, Three times he had an MVP vote from 2006 to 2008. Didn't get a chance to stay in purple terribly long, of course, with his trade coming during the 2008-2009 offseason. That's what brought Cargo into the Rockies in the first place in that trade with Oakland. But comes back in 2018 as the veteran guy off the bench, plays in Grand Junction for a minute, goes to Albuquerque for about a week, and is ready to do the veteran thing in the middle of that lineup. You need a sacrifice fly. You need a deep drive. Man, his presence in that locker room was huge over those final five weeks. So he's got to be in the Rockies Hall of Fame. And then you got two guys I think that in many ways are kind of neck and neck. They represent different things. And let me know how you feel about this. You can email me, Patrick, at the DNVR.com, or hit me up on Twitter, at Patrick D. Lyons, but who would you rank ahead of the other, Charlie Blackman or Dante Bichette? Now, Dante Bichette, again, if you're just looking at the metrics, Charlie Blackman does skew a lot better overall because the defensive metrics really do not seem to like Dante Bichette. Dante also played during that era in which a lot of people were hitting home runs, but man, he's one of the Blake Street bombers one of the first guys in the organization right next to Andre Scalarraga to be a superstar, did finish second in MVP voting in 1995 for five consecutive years from 94 through 98, had MVP votes. He rang in Coors Field with the extra inning homer, the shucky-ducky fist bump. That goes a long way. And so, sure, Charlie Blackman, he might have the Todd Helton-type career where he's going to spend... 14 15 years in the purple pinstripes whatever it may end up being but only has the fifth place in the MVP voting in 2017 only has one other year where he got MVP votes but again as one of the leaders of this team and one of the the great representatives and great stars of the 2017 2018 back-to-back postseason appearances he's still up there in that upper echelon no brainer i think there's a very strong chance we could see number 19 even retired for the Rockies this is something i threw out there about a year and a half or so ago, obviously, it's it's not that hard to see. Yeah, the Rockies should definitely consider it, much like they're doing with Cargo's number five. But the fact that he'll end up playing the entirety of his career in Lodo and, and most likely won't step outside the box like we saw Cargo do with the Cubs and then Cleveland there in 2019, though he did get that wonderful standing ovation. That was a great moment if you were there, if you remember that from the 2019 season. Next tier of players who are still certainly worthy of being in the Rockies Hall of Fame. Ellis Burks, another one of those Blake Street Bombers. Guy who had 30-30 potential for homers and stolen bases, was third in MVP voting in 1996. When healthy, there were few that were better in the game than Ellis Burks. Brad Hopp, come on. MVP votes in 2007, 2009. The Hopper Was an absolute dude. Him and Garrett Atkins, those two guys from 2007. Man, you gotta, you gotta love those players. So the outfield is is super deep, you know. And then you could even go to some some honorable mentions of players where again it might have been for a shorter period of time. It might not have been to a certain height, a certain level that you say, well, you know, they weren't exactly all stars, but Preston Wilson, Dexter Fowler. Of course, Preston Wilson was an all-star in 2003 with the Rockies, Colorado salvaging that Mike Hampton situation and bringing over Preston Wilson and Charles Johnson. Juan Pierre, of course, was in that deal. So he's another one of those honorable mention guys who wasn't here for a long time, but made a serious impact. And then, you know, I I think there's there's a good chance you could have a section for the Rockies Hall of Fame of notable achievements, right? Corey Sullivan, two triples in the same inning not a Hall of Fame career, but certainly a Hall of Fame-type moment. John VanderWaal, with 28 pinch hits in a season still, the MLB record, and that coming in a, in a shortened season as well. And I really think there could be a couple other players that you might even be able to make the case for and say, you know what, they might not have really been in the Hall of Very Good, and they might not have been on the Rockies for a very long time, but their contributions were incredibly notable. Willie Tavera is maybe. Right, We'll we'll see how this Hall of Fame stuff shakes out. If you do it creatively enough, look, you've got room for both the actual Hall of Famer in Larry Walker and a guy who had a Hall of Fame performance in Corey Sullivan. You've got room for all of those things. Of course, we're spoiled because we get Corey Sullivan all the time at the ballpark anyway, but not so much for John VanderWaal. Love to see him show up a little bit more, hanging out with his old buddy Larry Walker. Before we kick it to... The conversation with Nick Bellow, Patrick. A couple more things on Todd Helton. We go through the fact that he was a five-time All-Star and really was almost always the fourth or fifth best first baseman in the NL. There was always someone else that went out and had an amazing first half, even though his first halves were always of the All-Star caliber. Right for a while, Albert Pujols was always you could pencil him in. No, you could you could etch his name into the starting lineup for the national league. So that obviously made it a lot harder, but in 2011, that was his last opportunity to quite possibly be an all-star. He had 321 with 10 homers and 41 RBI, which was actually 33rd in the NL through the first half. He was a part of the final vote, did lose out to fan favorite Shane Victorino, who did get hurt and was replaced by another final vote guy and Andre Ethier. So, you know, Having six all-star game appearances, does that make much of a difference? Not as much. Not having the Rookie of the Year award, we talk about that in the interview, how close it was, how impressive of a rookie output that was, and how a Rookie of the Year award, how far that can go on a player's resume. I also looked at over 162 game averages, and his 162 game average was 182 hits. Well, over 16 full seasons, that's 2,912 hits. Throw in those 26 hits from his debut season, the one in which he made his major league debut in left field in 1997, right? Played 15 games in the outfield, only eight at first base. We know why with Big Cat over there at first base, would never play the outfield ever again and would only DH twice. But you add those 26 hits in from his rookie season, or his debut season before he was still had that rookie eligibility in 98. That's 2,938. Does he hold on for one more season to get 3,000 hits? Do people really start to take notice? Obviously. And is it realistic to think that he could have almost a Cal Ripken-like career where he's just simply never getting hurt? No, of course not. But you begin to look and say, wow, in that context, pretty damn impressive. He does hit for the cycle in 1999, in fact, fell short of the cycle, a cycle, if you will. Pick that one up from Kevin Collins of the Albuquerque Isotopes when he worked in the communications and public relations department there. He's one hit shy of a cycle, but he was one hit shy on four different occasions in 1999. Had he been able to have a second cycle that year? It would have been the first time since Babe Herman first did it in 1931 to have two in one season. He did, of course, end up joining Lou Gehrig and Bill Terry as the only first baseman in MLB history to have at least a 315 batting average in eight consecutive seasons. So any way you slice it, Todd Helton should be spoken in the same breath as many, many other Hall of Famers. Yes, he's not Lou Gehrig. He's not as good as him. There are, there are a couple other first basemen that you can say, okay, he might not be on their level. But the Hall of Fame shouldn't just be 25 guys. It shouldn't just be Willie Mays and Walter Johnson and Jackie Robinson and Satchel Paige. It shouldn't be these larger-than-life figures. There's room for those other guys. There's room for guys like Bill Terry, who's a name you might not know, but he's a Hall of Famer. And Todd Helton is most definitely on his level. So we'll get into that conversation with Nick Bell Patrick, breaking down Todd Helton's candidacy, one in which I think is going to see him getting to Cooperstown at some point here in the next, let's say, three years, three to four years. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And speaking of hopes, we hope to see you down at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. You know, we've got watch parties going on. All the time whether that's the 15 and 1 csu rams best start in ram history there college basketball is popping off same thing with cu buffs coming oh so close against ucla Avs nuggets going on and yeah we got the nfl postseason as well we got playoffs as we're leading up to the super bowl von miller still alive for the rams so hey if you need a dog in the in the hunt Boom. That's got to be your team. You get a bigger beer when you're down at the DNVR bar. If you are a member, now it's only 50 cents for your first month. And guess what? That covers the larger size beer in and of itself. Yes, I know. I'm totally pushing aside the fact that we've got amazing coverage on the Broncos, Avs, Nuggets. Our Rockies coverage is heating up for that regular season. Lockout is still going on or rather nothing's going on because of the lockout but man we've got so many amazing great new features coming up for the 2022 season i can't wait to share them all with you it's only 50 cents for your first month at the dnvr.com and if you want an annual membership you know you get a free shirt at dnvrlocker.com you know breckenridge brewery is always flowing as the official beer of dnvr but did you know we also have an official seltzer Yeah, it's a good company, Hard Seltzer, now available at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York. We barely are able to keep it in stock, but we do. You can get yours at Costco just about anywhere. Get that 15-can sampler. You can get that peach, that honeydew, black cherry. It's delicious. And maybe the best part of all I should mention is that Breck is donating profits to the National Parks Conservation Association this year to help prevent forest fires. You're always in good co with good company, Hard Seltzer by Breckenridge Brewery. We're on to the conference finals. Here we go. Here we go. As we count down to Super Bowl 56 with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And yeah, we're celebrating a huge odds boost right now for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and you get 56 to 1 odds. So you win 280 in free bets. How's that for some quick math? 280 in free bets if your team wins if you're not a new customer guess what you can still get in on the action with same game parlays that's where you combine multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout the more legs you add to that parlay well the more money you can win DraftKings is safe secure and reliable and best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only new customers only. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. My DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week has got to be the L.A. Rams. Right now, they're minus 180. When I sat down to record this, it was minus 170. Jump in on it. Everyone wants the Rams to win against Jimmy G. Von Miller is still alive. It would be wonderful to see the Rams do it against the Niners. I know know Mike McDaniel is a Colorado kid. He's from Aurora, Colorado. Best friends with comedian Dan Soder. But you know what? Got to go with Vaughn right here, even though I got to go minus 180 to win 100, but that's okay. I think it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Vaughn's going to come through against Jimmy G, much like he did against Tommy B. DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week, LA Rams minus 180 in the NFC Conference Championship. My guest today on the DNVR Rockies podcast is a gentleman who reached out to me and we've had plenty of awesome interactions on Twitter already. He actually has his own YouTube channel called Lunar Squadron. Uh, Creates some great content for Marvel, Indiana Jones, Star Wars video games, you name it. But today we're going to talk about something that maybe is even his biggest passion of all. It's Mr. Todd Held. Nick, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: I, I like my guests to plug away at the things that they, they do on the side or the things that they do Uh, right in front and center of everyone. Tell a little bit of uh, uh, people about what you guys uh, and your partner do over on Lunar Squadron and and why they should check that out and make that a a daily stopover in their YouTube content.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know what? You know, I appreciate the shout out. Definitely trying to get our name out there as much as possible. So it's actually a YouTube channel that my best friend and I started during COVID just because, well, there wasn't much else to do. We were all just kind of in our houses with nothing but, staring at the wall and all of that. So we decided, you know what? It's something we had talked about before in the past. It was like, now's the perfect opportunity we have all the time. Let's do YouTube. We think we have the personalities for it. We think we have the content for it. So let's do it. And, you know, it kind of took us a while to really figure out what we wanted to do. We're big Star Wars fans, big Indiana Jones fans and big Marvel fans. And Once we kind of found our niche in that environment, it really just became something we really love doing. Um, Like you said, you pretty much got what we cover. We really focus in on more of the Star Wars and Indiana Jones, anything from news about the movies or TV shows to news about the games to gameplay itself. Any of that sort of stuff is really what we cover. It's something that we're both incredibly passionate about, and we hope it comes across on the screen when we do so. So it's just something we really have a fun time doing together it's really grown in the last year and just building the community has been awesome setting up the discord all of the same stuff that you guys do here at dnvr it's just a ton of fun you learn a bunch of new things about people and learn to just have fun doing it we've met people from finland and all over the world and it's just been such a great opportunity and it's it's just been
0: so much fun yeah, the production quality is really top-notch, so you're, you're definitely not going to be disappointed by checking out the Lunar Squadron channel over there on YouTube. But let's get to the man of the hour. Tuesday, we're getting incredibly close to finding out the results of where Todd Helton is going to be at. It seems like he will break the 50% barrier even once these private ballots if you will or rather the non-public ballots come to light we'll find out and we do what we do know is of course that now with Gil Hodges being in the Hall of Fame I've said this a billion times on the podcast I apologize to anyone who has listened to every single minute of these last couple of weeks but it's Hall of Fame week we got to break it all down but now that Gil Hodges is in it's now guaranteed it's a lock if you get 50% on a BBWA ballot you will get into the Hall of Fame At some point Gil Hodges had to wait a very long time, but this definitely bodes well for Helton, especially when you consider the fact that Schilling bonds and Clemens will all be off the ballot. Same thing with Sammy Sosa. So it's their 10th and final year, no matter whether they get in or not, they're going to be off. And so the conversation is going to turn a lot more towards our guy, Todd Helton. And you reached out to me and, and you had a paper. Where did, where was the, what was the impetus for this? Big paper, 10 pages on here's why Todd Helton should be a Hall of Famer. And it wasn't he was good and I liked him and he could catch a baseball really well. Like a lot of research really went into this. Uh, It was a very impressive, you know, thesis on why Todd Helton should be a Hall of Famer. And I was already convinced. But you know what? It, It really pushed me over the edge. And so it was fantastic. Where did this paper, if you will, where did this come from, this this? emotion and and, and power and and impetus to, to write up about Todd Helton come from?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's something I've thought about doing for a while. Just growing up, he was my hero. It's the reason I love baseball was just watching Todd Helton. It's the reason I played first base for all the years. I tried to copy him over there. Any little movement he did at first base, I was trying to copy because that's how Todd Helton did it. And, you know, just being a Rockies fan and growing up in the area and just the way that Rocky's players are treated on the national stage is just honestly, frankly, unacceptable is the way I see it. And when you really look at the type of player Todd Helton was and the way his career unfolded and you compare it to some of the players who are already in the Hall of Fame or some of the players who will be getting into the Hall of Fame very shortly, there is just this certain level of disconnect that doesn't really make sense with why are these players getting in? And why is Todd Helton now sitting here on his fourth year in his ballot struggling to remain above 50%, which it looks like you said he will be. I think as of right now, he's at about 57% in the Hall of Fame tracker. So he definitely looks like he's going to be above that very coveted 50% threshold. But why is it such a struggle? And I really think people just don't want to take the time to go beyond just Coors Field. A lot of people just see Todd Helton, they see the Rockies and it's He's a product of course field. That's all it was. That's all it will ever be. It was the same thing with Larry Walker. Thank God. They finally, they turned around and actually realized on the 10th year, Hey, no, this guy is an elite baseball player. He's one of the best to ever play the sport. And I really just think it is important that people need to realize that Todd Helton is one of the greatest first basemen to ever play the sport. And he needs to be enshrined in the hall of fame.
0: It does come across, you're right, as as lazy for people to just say, "Hey, he was a product of Coors Field," and I think we can admit he was aided by Coors Field. Like most players who uh, play for the Colorado Rockies, they're they're going to be aided, just like a lot of visitors. When you look at their uh, home and away splits, and you look at their away numbers, and you go, "All right, their numbers are really good." Well, you know, a certain percentage of that does you know go towards Coors Field. But even when you look at his road splits, you're coming away looking at a really talented player that uh, for all intents and purposes was still of of hall of fame caliber. You know, I was able to sort through and and look at every player that had that 2 batted 287 on the road, 386 on base percentage, 469 slugging percentage. And if you go by that, just, just those metrics, there's not very many players who've been able to do that and, and hit over 125 home runs on the road. Only 55 players have ever done that playing, you know, roughly 900 games on the road, hitting over 125 home runs and batting 287 and Todd Helton just among players, not even first baseman is 40th all time when you just look at his road splits. And yes, there are several players above him on that list, many of which are hall of famers, but several that benefited from playing at Coors field. And that doesn't get thrown into the conversation, but yet it does get held against Todd Helton time and time again.
1: Yeah, it really does. And you know, when it comes to the whole just analysis of Todd Helton's career, it really is interesting because it's going to be one of those things where the analytics, like the new age of analytics, is really going to be what helps get Todd Helton into the Hall of Fame, I think, when he finally gets there. Because up to this point, it's been really easy for people to just discredit because of those traditional counting stats. They can just say, hey, it's just course Field. That's why he was able to have the career he had. So I think now that we have this new era of analytics to really break down and look at how good a player actually was beyond just those counting stats, really those new era of rate stats and all of that. It's really going to help Todd Helton and other Rockies players going forward. When this conversation comes up about their hall of fame candidacy, because Helton really is going to be kind of one of the first cases of using analytics to get a player into the hall of fame.
0: Yeah. If we, even if we look away from his numbers, right. If we, if we, Kind of ignore how much Coors Field may or may not have helped, and say, okay, 2,500 hits, 369 home runs, 520—excuse me, 592 doubles, 1,335 walks, 1,401 runs scored. He's got 1,406 RBI. He played in over 2,000 games, over 4,000 total bases. But if you look at the awards, he's got—he's a five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger three-time Gold Glove Award winner, MVP votes in six different seasons. Once you start looking even at just those end-of-year totals, that helps put it in a little bit better of a context, and you say, oh, wow, okay, look, he was recognized during that time, during writers who may have thought uh, Coors Field is a bit much. They still saw enough in him to uh, bestow these kind of awards on them, and and we know Gold Glove has – no impact on whether or not you're playing at altitude at sea level or if, if you're in a some kind of fantasy league down in atlantis below sea level gold glove is a gold glove
1: yeah i mean you're absolutely right if you look at the counting stats that he put up in his career he absolutely puts up hall of fame caliber counting stats whether you want to argue about coorsfield or not i mean his slash lane 316 414 539. He's one of those rare players that hit that 300, 400, 500 slash line. And then, like you said, you take a look at the hits, the home runs, the doubles. I mean, almost 600 doubles in his career, which is right up there amongst the best all-time in Major League history. He absolutely has the counting stats and the awards. Like you said, the number of Silver Sluggers, the Gold Gloves, the All-Star Game appearances. He should have won an MVP, in my opinion. The fact that he finished fifth in 2000, when he led the league in pretty much every offensive category, he led the league in war, even though at the time, war wasn't really a big thing. It's kind of been retrospectively looked at, but yeah, he was recognized. And even then saying he was recognized, he may not have been recognized the way he should have been, but he still has all of these accolades. He has the counting stats. So really, I believe the main reason I kind of sat down and wanted to write this analysis of his career was the fact that he, he has these counting stats, you can see it, yet he still is getting discredited. So my goal was to use these advanced stats, these advanced analytics, to really be like, no, you can't really discredit him. You really have to take a look, a deeper look into Todd Helton and really just appreciate the type of baseball player that he was because he is phenomenal. He was, uh, he was just incredible.
0: We've got to tell you about the fast-acting dissolvable gummies from Ripple. It's clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Ripple starts absorption within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time. With Ripple dissolvables, you can make anything into an edible because of the flavorless and dissolvable powders. There's also Ripple quick sticks, the most convenient way to get the fastest THC. Just pour it on your tongue. Simple as that. Ripple products come in a variety of doses for whatever experience you are looking for and there's absolutely no sketchy science here ripples speed and absorption were studied by colorado state university in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people yes the results were published in a peer-reviewed journal so where can you find ripple look for Lightshade, colorado's premier dispensary with 10 soon to be 11 convenient denver metro and aurora locations offering something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur Lightshade has the premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top-shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR. Shop online at Lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. We love saving you money and companies doing their part to save the world. So we've got to tell you about Ball and their manufacturing plant in Golden. Currently, they're looking for production technicians. and You can read all about the full description and apply at jobs.ball.com by searching for Golden. They're giving you a competitive $27 an hour with potential increase at 6, 12, and 18 months. Potential for annual bonus, 401k for retirement, and yes, comprehensive insurance active the day of hire. Text Golden to 77222 and you'll get linked to their open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. That's jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. Well, Nick, I wanted to give you an opportunity to spit out some more of those fun and interesting statistics that put a better context in for Todd Helton and his case. Because whether you want a, a small hall or a big hall, as far as the amount of, of players you want in there, I can understand how some people might say, okay, Todd Helton's not a, a first-ballot slam-dunk Hall of or when you think about the top two or three first basemen of all time. You might not bring his name up. Okay. But there's still another tier below that of this guy is definitely a hall of famer and you're right. We have to make it a little bit more clear and help out some people help out their laziness and just point them to this podcast and say, okay, here's all of the reasons why it took 10 years to really hammer that home for Larry Walker. But let me give you an opportunity to to do that right now for Todd Helton in your own way.
1: Yeah, definitely. So in this analysis, I focused on three main park adjusted metrics, which are DRC plus baseball prospectuses stat, WRC plus from fangraphs, and OPS plus. I just focused on them because they are the park adjusted stats because you can't argue course field when it comes to these stats. You can't say, oh, he put up good numbers in this category because of course field. That's exactly what these stats are designed to avoid. So, Really, I want to start with DRC Plus, which is baseball per sec. This is deserved runs created. And personally, this is one of my favorite stats just because of the way that it is is quantified, the way it's put together. If you take a look at his DRC Plus, he posted a career DRC Plus of 139, which means he was expected to contribute 39% more runs than league average over the course of his career. And when you take a look at other Hall of Fame first basemen, Unfortunately, baseball prospectus doesn't report the d r c plus for a handful of those guys, so I really wanted to compare the numbers that Helton put up to a profile of what the average Hall of Fame first baseman did, and I did that by just compiling all of these rate stats and creating an average in each category for these players. so I was able to do that however, with d r c plus I wasn't able to do with all of it, so it's a little bit of a skewed number just because some of the first basemen aren't represented but The average Hall of Fame first baseman DRC Plus that I found was actually 132. So Helton had a higher than average DRC Plus at 139 compared to the average Hall of Fame first baseman. Now, the players I use, it's kind of important to note that I'm using players that are signified as first baseman by the Hall of Fame on their official website. I know there's kind of some conversation and kind of who counts into what position, but I decided to use the national baseball hall of fame's official website and how they designate positions uh so So that's for the 21
0: right so for example going forward you would include a guy like Gil Hodges who was a first baseman but you wouldn't include David Ortiz should he get in this year or maybe even next year because well he was a designated hitter yes primary position would have been first base much like Edgar Martinez his position would have been third base but Look, they played a majority of their career as a DH, so let's not uh, let's not put them in in, in the player pool and, and poison that that group.
1: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. The National Baseball Hall of Fame is going to designate David Ortiz as a DH most likely, and not a first baseman when they add him this next season. So, I found this average of 132. Todd Helton has a higher average at 139 however that doesn't really provide much context to the argument 139 versus 132 we just know that he's better than the average hall of fame first baseman so i wanted to take a look at where that 139 number stacks up to some of the other hall of famers in in the hall and i actually found that his number of 139 the career drc plus is the exact same as vlad guerrero senior it's higher than ken griffey jr and larry walker And it's just below Mike Piazza and Chipper Jones. They had DRC pluses of 140. And it's just, it was funny to see that no one argues that Vlad Guerrero Sr. is not a Hall of Famer. Absolutely nobody will argue that Ken Griffey Jr. is not a Hall of Famer. Yet Helton is right here with one of these rate stats, putting up the exact same numbers that these guys are putting up. But it is so incredibly difficult for Todd Helton to get the support and put him in the Hall of Fame. And when I was continuing this analysis and looking at WRC plus and OPS plus, I was kind of running into the same issue. So when it comes to WRC plus, which is fan graphs, he has a WRC plus of 132, which means he was able to create 32% more runs than league average player would have created over the course of his career. When you look at what an average hall of fame first baseman would have produced i found that the number was 139 so in this case todd helton actually has a wrc plus slightly lower than that of the average hall of fame first baseman however the way that wrc plus is calculated is really harmful to Rockies players that's because yes Very the way true. it's calculated <laughs> it treats every plate appearance like it happened at course field. So when Todd Helton is taking an at bat at Dodger stadium, or it wasn't Oracle at the time, or, but when he's taking an at bat at these stadiums on the road, he's being penalized for it. Like it's being taken at course field. And that is one reason I really like DRC plus is because they, they contextualize each individual at bat with their park factors. So that isn't an issue when it comes to that stat, but it is an issue with some of these other weighted stats. So, while Todd Helton does fall slightly below average compared to Hall of Fame first baseman in this stat, it also could be skewed just because of the way that WRC plus is calculated. But even that being the fact, when you look at where Todd Helton stacks up to some other notable Hall of Famers, he has a higher WRC plus than Ken Griffey Jr., Carl Yastrzemski, Roberto Clemente, Ernie Banks, Johnny Bench, And yes, those guys did play at more premium positions so they can get in on their defensive prowess, which is not usually the case when it comes to first base, just because it's such a simply, it's honestly almost impossible to really quantify the value of defense at first base, just because the things that first basemen do defensively to help out their team just doesn't really have a stat to count it. There's no statistic that counts. You know, here's how many runs were saved because he was able to pick a bad throw out of the dirt or anything like that, which would absolutely be phenomenal if someone could come up with something like that.
0: And or, he Or how many runs you save by being a foot and a half off of first base <laughs> and not even touching the bag, but you do it in a way in which the umpire can't see. I mean, Hey, is that worth half of a half a win? I, I think it is. I think it yeah. is.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hey, if you're that good defensively, you don't even need to touch the base. So. And Helton
0: and Helton was like, let's, even if you just want to go the basic traditional route, you know, he ranks eighth all time amongst first basemen in fielding percentage. We're talking 0.996. That means every 1000 balls that came his way, he would only err on four of them. So again, that defensive part doesn't get discussed quite as much as it should. And as you're breaking down the analytics, we just did a uh, Denver sports podcast where we were talking all about analytics and how much they've improved over time and how not all analytics are created equal. I mean, RBI is analyzing baseball, right? That's that's a statistic to say, hey, the hitter did something positive. He may have gotten it out. He may have grounded the ball to second base, and it would have, was an easy 4-3. But that got the runner home from third to home. And so, therefore, let's let's count that. Let's, let's figure out a way to do that. And so, analytics really tries to look at things better, put it in a better context, and even go so far as, as to do it pitch by pitch when you're looking at things of fielding independent pitching, expected fielding independent pitching. And the more you can break into that, the more you can get an idea of, you know, th- maybe if there was some luck or maybe if there was some bad luck. And as, as you're pointing out with uh, WRC+, it's, it's skewing things very much against Helton, as well as all Rockies players, when you're trying to contextualize things because half their games are at cores and the other half are not. And that's not being represented properly
1: no it, it really isn't and you know even though helton is falling below the average profile when it comes to wrc plus and it's exactly the same when you look at ops plus todd helton had an ops plus of 133 in his career the average that i found for hall of fame first baseman was 143 he still would rank 15th out of the 21 hall of fame first basemen. so even though he's still slightly falling behind this average He's still not like in last place. He wouldn't be 21 out of 21 or whatever. He's still better than other first basemen who are in the hall of fame. He's better than some of those guys who are in at his position. And it's just, in my opinion, if you are better than hall of famers at your position, then you probably should be in the hall of fame. He's still one of the greatest first basemen of all time. You brought it up defensively, even though it's incredibly hard to quantify from the statistics that we have to really look at first base, Todd Helton is still one of the greatest defensive first basemen of all time to go along with the fact that he was one of the most prolific hitters of his generation.
0: He was, and to, to go with what you're saying, comparing him to other Hall of Famers, if you look at his 316 batting average, he's 10th among Hall of Famers. Coors Field's helping him out? Sure, but again, 10th amongst Hall of Famers. On base percentage of 414 sixth a month amongst Hall of Famers. Joey Votto, active guy, is slightly ahead of him over the course of his career. That will probably dip down just a little bit. So he's Helton sixth, slugging percentage, 10th among Hall of Fame first baseman. Mark McGuire and Albert Pujols are higher. They're not in the Hall of Fame, but those are guys that would bump Helton back over time when they get in or should they get in. His 133 OPS plus ranks him 17th among Hall of Famers, there's 25 in the Hall of Fame. So, okay, he's not maybe on Lou Gehrig's level, but he is in that group. His 1,406 RBI, 13th amongst, amongst Hall of Fame first baseman, and the 369 home runs, 12th among Hall of Famers. So he's there. I, I think that's probably the best starting point for the next couple years, and I don't, I don't know how many more years it'll be until he gets in. I, I don't think he'll have to wait the full 10, but I mean, that's probably the conversation of this next year of, look, he's clearly in that, that class. And I think some people probably don't even want to recognize that much. Like he was maybe more in the, the Derek Lee quality of first baseman or, or a guy like Morgan Ensberg, who was, was good for a minute. He is, he is much better than he's given credit for bottom line
1: yeah he is and you know you brought up Lou Gehrig and it was funny when i was putting this analysis together just how much lou gehrig skews these numbers just he was <laughs> he he was incredible he was so good it's easy to see why he is considered the greatest first baseman of all time just because his numbers were so much higher than everyone else it was really incredible but even that being true todd helton actually falls in like very exclusive company when it comes to Lou Gehrig, because those two are two of the only three players in MLB history to ever have a, two seasons where they had a hundred or more extra base hits him and Lou Gehrig and one other person. And Todd Helton is the only player to ever have done it in consecutive seasons. So when you start to really look at this, Helton did things that no one else was doing. For example, another thing, when it, when you look at his career doubles, he would actually be the leader among all first basemen in the Hall of Fame and doubles, which was something that was not surprising to me at all. Just growing up, remembering Todd Helton's career, it was always a double. That's just what he did. He was, it was, it was an opposite field double into the gap after he had seen 15 pitches or whatever, he'd worked the count because he had incredible plate discipline, which even if you just look at that, there was a, a an article I was reading from that just came out from Fox sports and about how, when you look at his his walk percentage compared to his peers during during his career, it was it was honestly kind of nuts. Uh, I'm looking for it right now. and Yeah, great I article believe, by,
0: by Jordan Schusterman, who is yes, uh, also article. part of the brainchild of uh, the Cespedes family barbecue. And so, again, a guy who's not from the Colorado area, but is able to recognize greatness in Todd Hilton.
1: Yeah, he, was, he has this little uh, snippet where he talks about how – When Helton entered the league in 1998, the league-wide strikeout rate was 16.9%. And by the time Helton was out in 2013, it had climbed to 19.9%. But Helton had a career strikeout percentage of 12.4%. So it's just, when you continue to look at all of these numbers, he just continuously put up incredible Hall of Fame caliber numbers. And, you know, one thing I really wanted to touch on was the whole counting stat thing when it comes to his slash line at course field yes he hit i believe what 345 at cores and it was 287 on the road but that slash line on the road of 287 386 and 469 is not something to act like that's awful like oh he only hit 287 with a 386 on base percentage that is still really good out on the road away from your home ballpark and it is something that every player in baseball usually deals with you're going to see a drop in numbers on the road compared to home numbers, just because of the whole number of factors that go along with playing on the road. And it is really compounded playing at course field, just because of the course field hangover effect, the traveling from higher altitude to the lower altitude. And honestly, the fact that Rockies players have to play in some of the most notoriously pitcher friendly ballparks in baseball. So if you're going to hit Todd Helton for his numbers at home, then he should get, even more credit for what he does on the road because of the environments he has to go and play in, the way he has to travel from altitude, the hangover effect. But no one seems to really want to have this conversation when it comes to Todd Helton. It's just, oh, he's a product of course field. That's all it was. Look, he only hit 287 on the road. He's not a Hall of Famer.
0: I think that's a reason why the binary ballot is such a such a bad solution, quote unquote, to you know the Hall of Fame voting, because if it's one and done, then, then that's it. Then there's no other conversations happening. Sure, a veterans committee can still come in and they may have a better understanding about it, but everybody else won't really be bothering themselves with trying to contextualize Todd Helton's candidacy. So we, we need to have the 10 years, if need be, to to look into these statistics and look into these records for a guy like Todd Helton. And the, and the other guy that had 100 extra base hits in his season, Chuck Klein, also... A Hall of Famer. One of the things that uh, appears prominently on the plaques in Cooperstown are the awards, like I said, five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, three-time Gold Glove Award, but is the Rookie of the Year. Now, as you mentioned, you know, getting, getting snubbed out of the MVP, obviously, you can make the case. That would have gone a long way. I think that really helped Larry Walker's campaign. But in 98, the Rookie of the Year Award voting, Kerry Wood ended up winning by a small margin. Very, very small margin. But when you think about if he wasn't around and you think about what Todd Helton did, you begin to understand okay, yes, wow, this guy really burst onto the scene in a major way because uh, he led all rookies in, in average home runs, RBI with 97. But here's the thing is that at the time, the record for home runs by a National League rookie, it wasn't Pete Alonso and his uh, 53. It was Mike Piazza with 35, and then you had David Justice with 28, Daryl Strawberry with 26, and then Todd Helton was fourth on that list for most home runs by an NL rookie since 1972. And so his 97 RBI for Helton was second most by a National League rookie behind Piazza's 112. So, again, that's one that he just misses. And, and all of the All-Star games, I, I love using uh, All-Star games as somewhat of a gauge for a player's Hall of Fame candidacy. It is not the be-all, end-all, just like the stadium you played at, just in you know how great or how poorly you played in the postseason. But it does help paint a better picture. Todd was consistently – I went through the years that he didn't make the all-star team, and there were plenty of years where you say, ah, like in 1999, if he was in the American League, that would have been very easy because Ron Coomer – there's a name for some people, if you want to remember names. Ron Coomer was selected for the Twins – he was really the second best option in the AL, but in the, in the NL, it was Maguire, Bagwell and Sean Casey had a huge first half so many years. He was like the fourth or fifth best first baseman. And it was, it was just luck almost that again, Pujols is one of his contemporaries. Ryan Howard had a lot of huge first halves. Then in the late 2000, Prince Fielder comes on the scene and it's just, it's somewhat bad luck of what's happening around him, but he's always there in the mix as the fourth or fifth best first baseman rather consistently.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm really happy you brought this whole point up about just how close he gets when you look at the accolades, he was right there to win rookie of the year in 1998. He was right there and probably should have won MVP in 2000. You take a look at, He was four games away from winning a World Series. He actually performed very well in that World Series. I believe he hit over 300. So is it his fault that the Rockies didn't win the World Series? No. Is it his fault he didn't win MVP? No. Is it his fault he didn't win Rookie of the Year? No. And if he would have won these things, does that all of a sudden just change the conversation? Oh, if he's a World Series winner, an MVP, and a Rookie of the Year? Oh, yeah. Now he can be a Hall of Famer. Well, he put up the numbers to do all three of those things, he just happened to be like you said very unlucky it wasn't his fault he was on a fourth place team for the mvp year he did honestly he's probably one of the main reasons they weren't a fifth place team just because of his incredible numbers that year is it his fault that they got swept in the world series no it's but he's being punished for it like it's almost his fault that he hasn't won an mvp and he didn't win rookie of the year he didn't win a world series Look at David Ortiz. He's a World Series winner. He's a Hall of Famer. He he put his team on his back. And it's like, why? Why why are we blaming Helton for stuff that is not his fault? Why does that discredit his entire career? Just because he didn't do these team things or he didn't happen to be voted the MVP by the writers? How is that his fault?
0: Yeah, Ernie Banks. You know, never won a world series and yet i think we can understand like that's a that's a separate issue obviously in in so many ways you know even if you talk about what todd helton meant to the rockies and you look at the rockies as a as a franchise and again we've, we're seeing how how difficult it is to get to the world series even how colorado made it in 2007 was very much a precarious endeavor and yet todd helton was a huge part of that and so when you talk about the 2007 world series how is that represented in the Hall of Fame? It's not represented by Larry Walker. He wasn't on that team. So Todd Helton, I think, is a, is a great representative of that. I don't think Tulo uh, has enough of his resume injuries, just really tamped it down far too much. I think Matt Holliday could have a case. Again, I don't think he's a, a first ballot Hall of Famer guy, but uh, when his name comes up on the ballot here uh, very soon in 2024, I I think there'll be that discussion, but there has to be some kind of representation for uh, a guy who hit 30 home runs in six consecutive seasons. Think about that. Will that ever happen again for a Colorado Rockies player? 30 home runs in six consecutive seasons. He also, uh, in in doing a a little bit more research on fun facts, like things that are just outside the box that maybe most people don't already know, he did collect 1,000 hits at Coors Field and at the time, there in the, in the late 2000s, he was one of only five players to have collected a thousand hits in one ballpark, joining Derek Jeter, of course, at Yankee Stadium, Frank Thomas at uh, U.S. Cellular Field, there, a uh, new Comiskey Park, if you will, Garrett Anderson at Angel Stadium, and Sammy Sosa at Wrigley Field. And so that should be acknowledged. Patrick Saunders said it really well that players who spend the entirety of their career with one team, that means a lot. And I, and I think that really gets overlooked. Again, that doesn't have to be the reason why, but it should go on the scale. If we're weighing things, put that coin on the scale and all of these things that we're talking about here today, I really think should help lift Helton up into the Hall of Fame at some point.
1: No, definitely. You, you bring up another just great point point in a long line of great points of why Todd Helton should be in the Hall of Fame. If you are going to tell the story of the Colorado Rockies, if Major League Baseball truly wants to legitimize the Rockies as a franchise, you cannot tell the story of the Rockies without Todd Helton. He is the icon. He is the face of the franchise. He was here for 17 seasons. When you think back to the 2007 World Series, what is the moment pretty much everyone thinks of? It is Helton lifting his arms above his head, he had finally done it. His team is going to the World Series. The mission had been completed. He got there. Or if you don't think of that moment, perhaps you think of him hitting that walk-off home run against Takashi Saito. It, it just always comes back to Todd Helton with the Rockies. He is the franchise icon. He is the face of the franchise. He is Mr. Rocky. That's his nickname for a reason. So if you're going to tell the story of the Rockies, if you're going to put the Rockies into the Hall of Fame, which you've already shown, the willingness to do by putting Larry Walker into the hall of fame, then it, just in my opinion, Todd Helton has to be there. He is the ultimate Colorado Rocky. So if you're going to do it, you have to do it the right way. And the only way to do that right, in my opinion is by having the greatest player in franchise history there.
0: And he links the, the first class with, with this most present class. He, he takes over first base from the first superstar to Andres Galarraga, and he's there uh, for you know, Arenado's first year in 2013 and Charlie Blackman becoming the superstar that he's become a couple other interesting uh, statistics. If you will, this was something that I I'd, I'd never seen before, but I love it. We, we know the triple crown, right. Is just, you, you leave the league in batting average, home runs, RBI. We know there's, there's a, a pitching tr- triple crown where you leave the league in wins, strikeouts, and ERA. Well, Apparently there's such thing as the slash line triple crown where you lead the league in batting average on base percentage and slugging. And It's only happened 48 times. Many of which were by Ted Williams, Rogers, Hornsby, Ty Cobb players of that uh, ilk, but Todd Helton did that in 2000. The year after Larry Walker did it in 1999, recently it was done by Juan Soto during the pandemic shirt and season in 2020. Christian Yelich did it in 2019 Miguel Cabrera, Joe Maurer, and Barry Bonds twice since Helton did it in the year 2000. So even when you look at those kind of rate statistics, he is on a list with a lot of great Hall of Famers. Only player in MLB history with 35 or more doubles and at least 10 consecutive seasons. Became the 50th player to hit 500 career doubles and the fastest to do it since 1954. He's uh, part of a group with Babe Ruth, Stan Musial, Lou Gehrig, and Ted Williams, four all-time Hall of Famers uh, who have hit at least 500 doubles, 320 homers, and had a 325 batting average for his career. We're scratching the surface here, I think. There's still more accolades that we could heap upon Todd Helton.
1: You know, it, it really is incredible just how much we have to defend Todd Helton and really fight to get him into the Hall of Fame, and it's stuff that we don't have to do or really see that much with other players around the league from other teams. And it's just, again, it's one of those products of him playing his entire career in Colorado and that being held against him. But whatever way you look at it, he just put up hall of fame numbers. Even if you want to look at war or any of that sort of thing, when you look at, Oh, he didn't have the longevity. He didn't put up the enough war for it. If you look at war seven, he definitely put up hall of fame numbers. He has a War 7 of 46.6, and the average Hall of Fame first baseman War 7 is around that 42.7 to 43 range. So even then, he's putting up Hall of Fame numbers and yet another advanced rate statistic. And it's honestly the same with countless others. And just the fact that we have to do this, the fact that we have to to sit up here and be like, here are a hundred reasons why Todd Helton is a Hall of Famer. While in Boston, they're going to be like, He's David Ortiz and everyone's going to be like, yep, he's a Hall of Famer. Easy as that. No one wants to do that same analysis with David Ortiz. No one wants to do that same analysis with countless other players who have gotten in. But the fact that we here in Colorado have to sit down and we have to fight and struggle and claw our way to get these guys into the Hall of Fame is just incredible. It's ridiculous. The fact that Larry Walker had to wait 10 years. The fact that Helton is hopefully going to have to wait only, what, five to seven years most likely is just incredible. Jim Tomei, for example, is Jim Tomei really that much better of a baseball player than Todd Helton, yet he gets in on his first ballot and Helton is here on his fourth? Because some of the numbers suggest that Todd Helton was honestly a better player. So it just doesn't make much sense to me. He has the accolades. He has the statistics. He has the advanced statistics. It's time. You got to get him in. And if you really want to tell the story of the Rockies, then you have to tell it with Todd Helton. Otherwise you're not telling a complete story or you're not telling an accurate story. We need to
0: perhaps hashtag defend the fountains. That's what Rockies fans need to do. We got to get that going, get the Twitter army for all of Rockies nation together in sync, link arms, defend the fountains, and let people know, okay, great, Coors Field allows you to get a couple extra base hits here and there, but let's let's do our homework. Let's be better than that. Let's be like Nick, who did the work and has done the work. Nick, this has been fantastic. I, I appreciate you you coming on, and uh, great debut. Excellent. You're the rookie of the year for this week for first-time guests. I appreciate it. Let people know. Uh, again, go ahead and plug Lunar Squadron. Let people know your, your Twitter handle and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Patrick. It was really nice to get to talk to you finally and have the opportunity to be on and talk about Todd Helton. He's my favorite player of all time. So this has really been awesome. Uh, as far as lunar squadron is concerned, we are on YouTube lunar squadron is the name and on Twitter at lunar squadron. It's pretty simple. Uh, we'd love to see you there. We love talking with everybody. If you love star Wars, you love Indiana Jones or Marvel content, hit us up on there. Uh, it's a great time. We have fun, but, uh, Again, Patrick, thank you so much. I really did appreciate this opportunity.
0: At Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter and all our great Rockies content is at DNVR underscore Rockies. Just 50 cents now for your first month's membership at the DNVR.com. So for DNVR Sports, he's Nick Bell Patrick. I'm Patrick Lyons. And you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans, especially our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. Schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam today, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. That's Green Mountain Dental Group, 15 minutes from downtown Denver.